been a full week since the last time we talked? Uh, yeah, I think. Oh God, why did that week go by so quick? Outside of like, uh, did we like text each other at all? Uh, I mean, other than, uh, uh, other than like me texting you last night saying, hey, are you good for normal right. time today? And then you replying to me uh, three minutes ago. <laughs> a second ago, yeah. <laughs> I forgot that you turned off your phone and I could have texted you anyway, but anytime I get a text, like Sarah and I were up late last night, again, for like no reason, <laughs> we're just like watching TV and stuff, and um, and I forget you turn your phone off, but I hate texting people back like, you know, in the middle of the night. <laughs> no, but. no, it, it, it's fine. I, I don't turn my phone off. I just turn my, my Wi-Fi off. So I'm, oh. so so I can still get calls and texts because I feel like anybody who's willing to call me or text me through the night, it's going to yeah. be like something important or something urgent. But if I'm going to get like a fucking Facebook event notification at three in the yes. morning, I'm going to be pissed off. So you, I would not have considered what I was going to send last night. Like, no, I'm good for the normal time. Like, I wouldn't consider that important. Is it? Was uh, it? Would it? Would it have been? Well, what? It depends. What time would you have uh, sent me the text? Like twelve thirty. I yeah, I would have been sleeping. <laughs> you would have what? I would have been sleeping by then. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you wouldn't. It wouldn't have woken you up. Uh, I don't know. I can't guarantee yeah. that uh, because it would have vibrated right next to my face, uh, yeah. and I would have been like, "Oh god damn it, Tim! Why couldn't you text me like an hour ago?" Okay, so that, that answers my question. <laughs> yeah. Not whether you would have been asleep, but whether whether you would have been upset getting yeah. the text. Yeah. So I, I think you're in the right. But so what I did last night is I drafted a text and I was like, when I wake up, because again, I had to wake up to watch the episode, I was like, I'll send that text. And then I just totally forgot about that. But yeah, now I'm watching episodes like, again, Sunday at 8 a.m., just like last week because yeah. no one's up yet and, and everyone's home when I get home. So I can't watch, you know, I got to find a new routine for all this. Mm -hmm. Man, I'll tell you what, whenever, whenever we were at the apartment, I would wake up at like seven just so I had plenty of time to watch the episode and I would have to get the dog out and I would like eat breakfast. But I'll tell you, now that we have the fenced in backyard, that saves me so much time. Like I, awesome. I didn't, I didn't like, uh, I don't have to like take him out to walk just to go to the bathroom. I just let him outside and I walk out with him for a few minutes. So mm -hmm. I, I watched the episode and then I had like a full hour to eat and shower. I'm like, God, why did I get up so early? <laughs> Let me ask you, are you, like, picking up after him in your backyard or, like, at the first summer barbecue you guys host, it's going to be like, <laughs> uh, you know what, don't walk out there, we can't, uh, or watch no, your step if you do. No, 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 we we are, or I at least am, picking up after him. <laughs> I, I went and bought a special uh, garbage can that we keep out on the deck that has all of his poops in it. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, they're all individually bagged inside a much larger bag. Uh, right. but we, I at least am trying to pick up his poop. <laughs> I feel like that's a smart thing to do. I mean, I, I guess the stray poo may still be out there, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I always remember like growing up with friends who had dogs <laughs> and like their backyard was just unusable Oh God! because of that. You know, their, their parents are just like, let the dog out and the dog, that, it was like the dog's it's like, man, that's just gross. And then, like, winter is a whole other thing, like, whether you go out and pick it up in the snow or not. I know that, you know, and then when the when the, the snow thaws and there's just, again, like, just dog poo everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like... I know dog people have up in our region. True. I feel like I'm going to be, like, in the percentage of people who picks up at least not, uh, maybe not every single time he goes, but then, like every other time or every third time or something but j just to keep the yard free of poop yeah yeah j just so there's at least like one lane of of cornhole able to be played or something <laughs> where you're not gonna step in anything <laughs> god i i can't can't wait until summer when all when we don't have to worry about like the virus and stuff anymore and we're able to like actually have a cookout and shit mm -hmm. Man. Yeah, you're talking about this summer or next summer? Well, who knows, honestly. <laughs> yeah. uh, potentially, hopefully this summer. Maybe I can't wait maybe for next. a summer. <laughs> I can't I can't wait for a summer again. Yeah, I can't wait for that summer whenever it would be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready to get started? Yeah, let's get going. All right, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's the show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about season three, I'm sorry, season six, episode three, the pledge drive but before that we did have some homework and trivia and stuff to get to from the last episode i did not go back and look to see if stationers was next to the froyo place uh, did you nope <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm filing that under baby crying 
Which, did, you never still did uh, go and look that up, did you? No. Can you tell me what episode that's in again? Do you oh, remember? Shit. Uh, <laughs> the glasses? No, that's way too far back. I, I it's, it's been a thing for a while. It's been a thing that uh, we haven't looked up for a while. Yeah, because now I just have Baby Cry written down, and I don't remember <laughs> where it is. So I will, right. I will figure it out, and I will tell you whenever we're done recording, I guess. Okay. Uh, we also wanted to know what the Chunky was, and I, I went ahead and looked it up. It looks <laughs> like a Chunky. Uh, the, the, the Chunky is made by Nestle, and listen to how disgusting this is. <laughs> Known for its trapezoidal shape, consists of milk chocolate, all right, roasted peanuts, okay, and raisins. What? Ew, no. Yeah. No. I know. That sounds gross. Oh. So, na- so naturally we have to try these then, right? Oh, I guess so, yeah. If I see one, I guess I'll grab one. But like, anytime you add raisins to anything, it God. takes it immediately. It just tanks its its score in my book. And I can't believe, I'm disappointed that Newman likes something with raisins in it. To me, that seems like it should be too close to a vegetable for Newman. <laughs> but then again, I think we've already, have we already seen him? Maybe not. I know he is a, he does eat fruits and vegetables. So Does he? I think we've seen him eating stuff like that before, but I feel like he's more of like a junk food, Drake's coffee cake. Oh, kind of absolutely. Guy. I'm disappointed that he likes something as healthy as raisins, even in chocolate. I mean, it is a dried grape, I guess, so it's not necessarily a fruit, but it it's uh, a fruit adjacent. Yeah. I don't know what, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a uh, an affected fruit. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> <laughs> it's an altered fruit. <laughs> I don't know what, yeah, I don't know what category it falls under. I just know that I, I don't care for them. But I think there was a time in my life when I would I would open up a box of those, you know, what do they call them? Sun dried, sun, sun, no, not sun kissed. Sun you know the red box the with pop. the yeah, sun yeah. made, sun made. I think it yeah, was maybe. sun made. And then made was like a play on like she's a woman and made made that I th- maybe. I think so. And I would crack those open and, and enjoy it, but I don't know. Somewhere along the line, I, I I don't want a raisin anymore. What was it? Something that you ate too much of as a kid that you you just kind of uh, stopped liking it at some point? That's a great theory, I, but I don't think so. Hmm. I think it really just comes down to not being a fruit and vegetable person. I like vegetables more than fruit. I'll say that. Interestingly enough. Hmm. Weird. Okay. Yeah. Are you a raisin guy? I am not. It didn't sound no. like it. I was going to say. Yeah. No. Uh, I had a, I, I don't want to say a traumatic experience with a raisin one time, <laughs> uh, but I bit into what I thought was a chocolate chip cookie and it was uh, filled with raisins and I uh. spit it out and it was, uh, it was awful. Yeah. That's one of nature's most horrible tricks on humanity is that raisins and chocolate chips look so much alike when they're in a cookie especially <laughs> and I, I hate like whenever you're you're the person who's trying to determine if it is chocolate chips or raisin near the person who made the cookies uh, because like <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're just you're just gonna make them feel awful you know yeah any any hesitation they're gonna know that you're not interested in their cookies for whatever reason who knows the reason at this point only you know it's because of raisins raisins are the reasons <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you're like, oh, good. And you're like reaching for one and trying to figure out if you're going to grab it, but you're already in mid-reach, so it's too late to go back now. And and then you're like, oh, I'll save it for later. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to put this right here on this napkin uh, next to my desk. <laughs> I'm going to eat this, definitely. <laughs> uh, so yeah, maybe if we see some chunkies, I'll try to track it down, but uh, I you, hope I you, don't see any chunkies. You don't have to. <laughs> oh, but, So by the way, well, we know that it would be another edition of Ted dry heaving on the podcast. Oh, so. absolutely. <laughs> Maybe it's my turn. Um, but listen, so Chunky had a lot of advertising slogans that were listed in Wikipedia, and here is my favorite <laughs> advertising slogan of all time: "Open wide for Chunky." <laughs> oh, good lord! Oh no! <laughs> Open wide for Chunky. <laughs> oh no! Open wide for Chunky. Open wide for Chunky. I don't know where to put the emphasis. It works everywhere. Open wide for Chunky. I I think it's definitely got to be open wide for Chunky. (laughs) Maybe I want to emphasize everything. Open wide for Chunky. (laughs) Yes, that's it. We got it, everybody. Thank you. We got it. Thank you. That's the end of the session. (laughs) Cut. Print. Moving on. Cut. Thank you, Mr. Bundy, for stopping by. You know, I think you've got a real future in advertising. I hope uh, I hope you stick with it. Theodore Bundy. Uh, you can pick up your check from... Jesus. 
I hope you only focus on this and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Open wide for Chunky. Uh, okay. Writer and co-creator Larry David got the idea for this episode when the Seinfeld, for the Big Salad, when Seinfeld editor Janet Ashikaga asked him to get her a big salad for lunch. Larry David bought her the salad, but when Jerry Seinfeld's assistant Carol handed it to her, she thanked Carol instead. So literally the exact same thing that happened in the episode. Yep. (laughs) Wow. All right. Although I'm willing to bet because it wasn't a relationship situation. Like the only reason George didn't say anything right then was because like he didn't want to look like that in front of his girlfriend. He wanted to, you know, maintain his composure in front of his girlfriend. But I'm willing to bet Larry David went, oh, hang on a second. Why are you thanking her? I'm willing to bet it, it was it was all sorted out right then. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, and of course, the Steve Gendison plot satires the OJ Simpson murder case uh, at certain points. In particular, Margaret's argument about overwhelming circumstantial evidence and the Ford Bronco chase. And the episode was written just a few weeks after that real world Ford Bronco Chase, which was on June seventeenth, nineteen ninety four, and when did the Big Salad air? I don't think I wrote it down. Um, I think it was. I, I think it was exactly a week uh, prior to this episode, uh, September 29th. Yeah, yeah. So just a few weeks later. I mean, so this is still like super, super topical humor for uh, for Seinfeld. So, uh, and here's the weird thing I discovered in looking up that fact was that I always thought that like when I was watching the Bronco Chase, did you watch it? You were very young. I mean, I've seen it. I didn't yeah. watch it live. Yeah, because you were, Actually, what, one year, nine it, months, or whatever? You know, <laughs> I may have watched it live. Honestly, I just wouldn't remember it because yeah. I was a toddler. <laughs> um, well, I definitely, you know, I was uh, 13. Or no, I was about to turn 13, so I was 12. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching, and I thought I got to stay up late and, like, pass my bedtime. But I, I just discovered that it was on a Friday night, so I guess that's the only reason I got to watch it. It was a Friday. <laughs> June 17th, 1994 was a Friday. I was always like, oh, yeah, I got to stay up uh, late and, and watch it. But, uh, no, I remember staying up. I did stay up for the whole thing, and then I remember being just very disappointed. He got to his house, and he saw his kids, and then they arrested him. It, it was crazy <laughs> in the moment, but it had a real uh, lack of... Of climactic moment, I were, thought. Were you just waiting for like the giant car crash at the end and like guns to start firing? Something. I mean, I don't know. I mean, hey, you'll get that if you watch a car chase in 2020. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and the episode is the first to use a new exterior set for the New York street scenes. The exteriors were formerly shot on a collection of three storefronts, but the show moved it, uh, the outside shots, to a new, much more expensive street set in season six. Hmm. That allowed for many new camera angles and framing opportunities. So we're going to get a fresh outside perspective um, because I I haven't really noticed that they've been using the same storefronts for the exterior shots. There's that one liquor and beer store, whatever, that keeps popping up. You know, it was in the last episode when he gets thrown out of the car. They're parked in front of it. Mm -hmm. It's the one that they go in and they meet Saddam Hussein outside of. Um, (laughs) You know, so I I guess I have noticed that pop up a couple of times. But I just thought I, I just chalked that up to. No, that's their corner liquor store. That, yeah, that just is near their house. You know, yeah, <laughs> near I, their apartment. Yeah, I, I didn't think that they were just using the same shots just to use the same shots. I thought it was just l- like you're saying that yeah. that's that's where they go. Yeah, that's that that's a business that just happens to be near where they are all the time. So yeah, but <laughs> but so and I remember us talking about there was like a fire or something, maybe an earthquake even like on the set, and they and Seinfeld had to move production for a little bit, and they were going to stay the, at their new. Like they moved from Paramount to Fox or something like they moved mm. lots and then they were going to stay there because they were like, oh, this is fu- this is fine. And then the other lot that they were originally at were like, um, oh, no, what if we build a whole new exterior shot? They're like, OK, we'll come back. So, yeah, they, they did a lot of extra work to get the Seinfeld crew back on the set. I don't remember what episode that was that we were talking about. But, yeah, I remember there was a little bit of behind the scenes action there as far as changing production locations for a certain time. But they got him back with that sweet new exterior new york street lot and i guess that's it as far as trivia and homework and all that okay uh did did you have anything else for like news or anything believe it or not i did see something this week that uh, is catching it, it was released i think like a month ago or something but it's really catching people's attention now because we have a lot of time to watch this sort of thing but somebody found 80 minutes of supposedly previously unreleased seinfeld bloopers and they are all up on YouTube right now. What? Oh, my God. I, I didn't see this. 80 minutes of never-before-seen Seinfeld bloopers. <laughs> yeah. 
And there's like, you know, there, there's bad language in there and stuff and people breaking. And so, yeah, I, I have to check it out, too, once I once I do carve out 80 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of blooper time. I mean, I think bloopers are, I, as much as I love them, they're best in like the little one minute to two minutes of credit time they're sometimes given in tv shows you know yeah i used to love that that was my favorite as a kid like watching the blooper reel shows that had blooper reels at the end i was like yes <laughs> um, but 80 minutes of it i'm like i don't know how long i can sit through that yeah i don't know like what at what point does it stop being funny and then at <laughs> what point later on does it become funny again yeah yeah <laughs> Cause, cause, because you realize well i've sat here for 48 minutes already i might as well finish oh my it gosh. I, i'm over halfway through <laughs> And you got to wonder if someone like if it was a VHS that they just threw up, or if there's any sort of pacing to it. You know, is it just chronological, or is it like, all right, we're gonna ride away. Here's some non-funny ones. We'll kind of group there, and then we'll have one more that's like another big laugh, and we'll have like a, a high, <laughs> you know, high notes for a while, and then we'll go back. Or is it just like without seeing it, I can almost guarantee that is not the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not edited with any sort of, <laughs> of you know, mood-altering frame of mind. It's just all. Just all thrown in there. That's probably accurate. We'll have to see. I, I am interested to check it out one day. But besides that, I think that's it. All right. Uh, if you have never listened to this show before, we are not a research-heavy show. Uh, I'm watching these episodes for the first time. Tim is watching these for the first time in a chronological order after being a lifelong fan for years. Uh, if we miss something, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email, send us a tweet at NoHugging on Twitter or NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts, and we will send you a No Hugging, No Learning sticker like we are sending one to... Uh, Beauty Queen 17 who called us masters of their domain. She says, my favorite podcast about a show about nothing. I listen to it every time I've got to unwind. Nice. Thanks. So Beauty Queen 17, please send us your address if you have not already. Uh, either DM it to us or send us an email. Um, real quick shout outs here to Sven the Stock Guru, Matt M, uh, John uh, your neighbor, John, who we are definitely not talking about, who said <laughs> that the Poppy episode and washing his hands or not seeing him wash his hands takes on a completely different meaning in the era of coronavirus. Yeah, that um, episode is hitting different. It uh, is. Shout out to Turner Thomas, who is excited for us to get to the gymnast, uh, which is later on in season six, uh, I think uh, by it's a couple of weeks from now, uh, because it actually aired on his fourth birthday. So, oh, cool. so he's kind of in like the same... Uh, situation as I am, mm-hmm. I think yeah, he. I think he. Young. Yeah, he's a he's a fan already, but v- very very young. Like these episodes were uh, definitely not meant for a four year old to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My kids don't get it at all, and they're two and six. So uh, yeah, <laughs> when you're supposed to watch it, <laughs> God, Sarah's gonna hate it when Colleen starts watching Seinfeld with you. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see because Colleen likes doing this thing where anything we like, she. You know, I guess it's a form of rebellion or just, you know, <laughs> just teasing us or whatever. She doesn't like it. You know, it's, it's very uh, weird to figure out like Star Wars, for instance, anytime she sees Star Wars, you know, yeah. and that's Sarah's influence. She's like told her that, no, we don't like Star Wars. And so now anytime there's any Star Wars on Colleen's like, no, we don't like it. And I'm like, you haven't told her that. <laughs> and she'll come around one day. Like, I'm, I'm just playing the long game here. I'm not going to convince her. But, you know. It, she likes to make fun, not make fun. I don't know. She likes to not like things we like just so we'll go, Colleen. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right. So well, we'll see where Seinfeld falls. Yeah. With uh, with all that being said, uh, season six, episode three, The Pledge Drive, original air date, October 6th, 1994. I was one year, nine months and 16 days old. And if you include this episode and all the other episodes that we have left, Tim, we have 87 episodes until we become a solely chunky review podcast. <laughs> We eat a new chunky. We're going to eat chunky until we like it. <laughs> Every episode is the same, just varying different reactions to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you are looking in TV Guide the night of October 6th, you are going to see the description. Jerry accepts an invitation to help with a PBS pledge drive. All right. And we start with a stand-up bit as usual. And this is about greeting cards. And some strong language from Jerry is really, I think, the... Is it maybe a detriment to this bit? Because I think it is really funny, you know, because he calls the greeting cards emotional prostitutes and he uses the term, which I think is great, Hallmark Hooker. Yeah. uh, Which is is, uh, just a great comedic phrase. I mean, you got a great K word in there, you got alliteration, Hallmark Hooker. 
Um, and <laughs> I mean, it, it makes a good point. You know, like I, I don't know what to say. So I gave a dollar to this person to write something for you or whatever. You know, I, I thought it was a good point and, and pretty funny. And, you know, but like I, I felt like it was, it was it was strong. It's strong to call them emotional prostitutes. <laughs> but I guess that's I guess it's accurate. I definitely just thought the whole bit was very weird, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's funny. But like the language, especially coming from Seinfeld, you know, you expect different language from him and it was just kind of like strong like oh wow that's that's kind of strong but it is it's a funny sentiment you know that like yeah the the, the cards themselves are just like a catch-all for any feeling yeah and i liked having he was like why don't we just have one card for everything you can give it to one person all throughout the year and it's it's uh you know happy birthday thanksgiving christmas what you know he names like all these holidays and it ends with our condolences and i liked i thought this was a great kicker for the whole bit it was from the whole office. I thought that was funny. And I, even like if you had bought it, you know, for a family member or something like that, still the fact that it said from the whole office, I think is just a funny little bit of extra work you can do as an audience member, like from the whole office. Here you go, mom, whatever, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it, it was, it was a good bit. Good, good opening. We opened the episode proper in the apartment. You get a shot of Superman on the bookshelf there right away. First thing, first thing I noticed. Did you see it? I didn't. Again. Ah. Man. All right. I'm just going to have... I'll just go back and look for it, I guess. <laughs> no, just keep, just keep an eye out for it there, because it seems to be like just a, a staple now of his apartment in season six. It's, it's just... Three, it's just... The on, first three episodes. Uh, consistently on the bookshelf? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, same spot. Hasn't moved. So, right. yeah. Uh, Elaine and Jerry are there, and Jerry is telling Elaine that her friend Noreen was totally hitting on him. And Elaine is like, oh, come on, you know, not really. And plus, she has a boyfriend. Remember that guy? He has a he's a high voice. His name is Dan. Mm -hmm. And Kramer runs in. I think it's absolutely hilarious. He's looking for his fortune magazine. A guy <laughs> who maybe has never had a job subscribes to fortune magazine. I just think that's a that's a hilarious little bit of Kramer personality in there. Then again, I could definitely see that being the target demo for Fortune magazine. You know, <laughs> like pe people who are like wannabe entrepreneurs. Like, yeah. n nothing against like yeah. these people specifically, but it's the type of people that follow Gary V on Twitter. You know, you know <laughs> right, Gary right. Gary Vaynerchuk. Yes, for some reason. Mm -hmm. In February, like January and February, I couldn't scroll more than three status updates without seeing not even something posted. It was like, here's a video you might like. I was mm -hmm. like, no, I don't. Yeah. He must boost the hell out of all of his posts. I think he does. I, I, I like the guy. He's got a lot of like good points. Yes. But a lot of his like audience is just annoying. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I liked what you said one time, I think tweeting about an article. You're like, I like this article much better than just buy everything on Facebook marketplace oh and my market God. up. Like, yeah. That, that's that, how you get rich. <laughs> that, that's like what a lot of his, uh, his fans think he's saying is yeah, just buy everything on marketplace, <laughs> sell it for double what you paid for it and put, and don't clean it at all because time is money. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? Okay. <laughs> no, no I, literally I, no one is going to buy your crap. I, I think this is a great, you're making a great comparison because a lot of the people who post his stuff like feel like by posting it like I'm I'm doing something to I'm hustling by posting this video I'm hustling. You know? <laughs> like you're <laughs> no, no, you have to do what he says. Like, sir, you are not hustling. You are unemployed. There is a difference. Uh, yeah. Also, no one is going to buy. I, this was like this is taken from like some <laughs> meme I saw that I, I can't even remember where it was or who <laughs> shared it. But it's like, sir, no one is going to buy your 2006 Saturn with 300,000 miles for ninety eight hundred dollars. Yeah, 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 exactly. But but I have heard some good stuff come out of his mouth like you were saying but but again have i put it into practice probably not but but i do like you know kramer always has some harebrained business idea and he's always he always knows about the latest harebrained business ideas too like he that's true, he to follow, that's true. Like, you hear about what this company's doing <laughs> and now we know why he reads fortune magazine every week a month is it a monthly i don't know I, it's probably seems like monthly. one of those yeah it seems like one of those that would be a weekly though i don't know i, I don't, don't know. know uh, uh be before yeah. we get too far away away from it did you see the heavy minute made product placement inside jerry's fridge yes i did yeah. <laughs> it, it may He's not well even stopped. it may not have even been an intentional product placement but what man has that much of one specific product on an entire <laughs> like it has its own shelf he had minute made orange juice and he had two cartons of minute made lemonade oh my i didn't notice the lemonade i definitely noticed the <laughs> orange juice i noticed i remember the label i mean distinctly 
it, you know. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, so Kramer going through Jerry's mail looking for his Fortune magazine sees that Jerry got a card and he's like, "Ooh, open it! Look, Hallmark." <laughs> I like that he's impressed by that. Uh, and it's a thank you card from Kristen who works at PBS to thank Jerry for doing the pledge drive. And Kramer is like, "Oh, did you ask about me? Do I get to answer phones?" And Jerry said, "Yeah, you can be one of the people that answers phones in the background." Kramer's like, "All right, great. How does that work? I get like a percentage of every pledge, right?" <laughs> And I love Jerry's on here. It's not aluminum siding. It's volunteer work. All the money goes to the PBS. All the money goes to PBS. And then Kramer's like, I still get a tote bag now, right? And Jerry goes, yeah, one of those uh, foam beer can holders, too. And then Kramer goes, ooh. And he, like, uh, mimes. He mimics, like, taking a drink out of something and then going for a drive. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah he, like, de- he definitely pantomimes drinking and driving. And, yeah. Tim, I looked this up. Drinking and driving was made illegal in the state of New York. I, and look, I know we get some very old references on this show, but it was yeah. made illegal in the year 1910. Wow. Huh. <laughs> wow. I, I, I honestly didn't. That was going to go one of two ways. You, you were either going to be like, it was still legal in 95. Like, Whoa. <laughs> like, or it was illegal when cars were invented. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, it is kind of interesting that because there are still some countries that are very lax on on their drinking and driving laws, even if they are on the books. And so it's kind of interesting that the second cars came around, they were like, oh, yeah, this, even though they only go two miles an hour, this and booze do not mix. We we realize this immediately. Um, you got to wonder if that's a rule that they figured out before they needed it, you know? Eh, Probably not. In 1909, they're like a bunch of drunk, like, all right, this is, we've had so many drunk guys drive off a cliff because you're not going to hit anybody going two miles an hour in one of these maybe somebody ran over a horse or something maybe i remember I, know why. I remember hearing that like whenever cars first uh were invented there obviously weren't speed limits so people were just like driving as fast as they could down <laughs> a very crowded street with people walking all through the street because crosswalks aren't a thing sidewalks aren't a thing the, yeah. the road was meant for foot traffic right right <laughs> so yeah we had so, a lot to figure out so it was just a uh it was just a Big old cluster, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It is fun. I mean, his his little pantomime there was funny. He's like, ooh, and he takes a drink, and then he goes, honk, honk. <laughs> but I'm like, why does Kramer associate, first of all, like foam beer can holder, drinking and driving, why does he associate all three of those things? I don't know. <laughs> Another interesting glimpse into the mind of Kramer. Elaine is just so interested in Jerry's story about being hit on by Noreen that she starts calling. She's like, I'm going to call Noreen. And Jerry's like, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, to verify his story of flirting. And someone picks up that Elaine assumes is Noreen, and she starts talking about immediately about Jerry and asking, you know, if she was hitting on him. And the person on the other end cut to, it's actually, Noreen's not here, this is Dan. Oh, and uh, I want to point out, this is maybe the best ADR that they've done. I got to agree wholeheartedly. Like we've had, and we've had some very, very bad ADR. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. take much to be the best, but this was actually pretty good all the way through. I mean, anytime Dan was speaking on camera, it's it's almost flawless, and <laughs> it hinges on that. So I'm glad that they went the extra effort and actually put some work into it. <laughs> I can't wait to find out who the voice of Dan is. I wonder if it is the actual actress. I wonder if it's Noreen or if it's a different voice. We'll oh my god, to... it, it's got to be the actress who played Noreen because they they do sound so much alike. Yeah, but but uh, but different enough that. I wonder. I, I'm looking forward to finding out <laughs> next week. Um, but so Elaine just spilled all this stuff about you know her about Noreen potentially liking Jerry and hitting on him, and now Dan knows about it. Uh, cut to Mr. Pitt's house and office, I guess. Elaine is her big work as assistant to Mr. Pitt now is sharpening pencils with a handheld pencil sharpener, <laughs> uh, and just a ton of them too. There's like you know a dozen there at least. Like so, that's her big work that has to be done for Mr. Pitt today, and. She gets another call at Mr. Pitt's house, which he's upset about. Noreen is upset, too. It's Noreen on the phone, and she's talking to Elaine about how upset she is. And then Dan grabs the phone and starts laying into Elaine, but Elaine doesn't notice and calls him Noreen. And once again, you know, she's like, Noreen, have you been crying? And he's like, this is Dan. (laughs) (laughs) And so Elaine, after the phone call, starts explaining the situation to Mr. Pitt. He's interested. He's like, I want to know who was crying and I want to know. And so she's explaining to Mr. Pitt while he begins eating a Snickers bar with a knife and fork. And <laughs> Elaine is very distracted by this, trying to explain 
this to Mr. Pitt. Did you um did you know what Mr. Pitt is miming here whenever he says Elaine work? But he's like he's holding up like almost making like the uh, the problematic okay sign, uh, but like he's then like twisting his hands like back and forth. Yeah. Well, what is he sharpening? Doing? Sharpening a pencil. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that's what she, she had a handheld pencil sharpener, and you oh. you know you, you stick it in there and you you twist it around. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's what, maybe it's just I didn't notice at first what she was doing. Okay, that makes total sense. But that's what's so funny is it's like just like with his socks. I wanted to have my socks today. Like he needs these twelve <laughs> pencils sharpened by hand immediately all 12 all 12 right now and we can't wait one minute for a phone (laughs) elaine work (laughs) you're i mean (laughs) so over in the apartment jerry's apartment he's rehearsing a script with Kristen for pbs and she asks if he got her card and then she notices that card in the trash can and i like i mean it's a shame but I like I'm with Jerry here. Like, how long was I supposed to keep it? You know. Mm, and I, I really did like his line here because Kristen uh, said something like she just sent it, or no, she says I put a lot of thought into that card. And Jerry <laughs> says you signed your name and addressed the envelope. It's not like you painted the picture and wrote the poem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If it had had some heartfelt thing in there, like I would understand keeping it. But it's just a, a hallmark <laughs> sentiment that like a couple like thanks for being you or whatever it was. <laughs> um, and then he he read it. He got the message. And why do you need to keep it? I I I'm with him on this, but I also understand the sentimental people too who like to keep them. Mm-hmm. And she accuses him of not being sentimental. And he's he shows that he can be because he's kept a bunch of cards from his grandmother. And I disagree with Kristen's response here. Oh, you keep her cards, but not mine. Yeah, she's my grandmother, and I met you a day ago. Yeah, like, I'm like, I'm if anything, sorry, that I don't, proves my point. Like, I'm sorry, I don't hold you in the same regard as my <laughs> grandmother, woman I just met. <laughs> yeah. But so she kind of storms off, and he's like, oh, I'll see you at the, the pledge drive. And Kramer comes in, uh, across. Obviously, Kramer's heard the uh, commotion, wants to be in on some action, whatever's going on outside <laughs> of his apartment. So, uh, you know, he comes in, and he notices that all of the cards from Jerry's grandmother have checks in them, and Jerry's like, oh, yeah, she sends me 10 bucks in every card. Uh, Kramer finds one from 1987. Jerry says that he's never cashed them. And Kramer says not enjoying the gift that Nana sent is tantamount to a slap in the face that she sent it. And, and by not cashing it, you're saying, oh, I don't even want your gift. And that's rude. <laughs> but yeah, he, he also says like a gift not enjoyed is like a flower that doesn't blossom. When, yeah. when did Kramer become like so deep? He should write greeting cards. <laughs> I liked, I liked, too, that he said, um, she wants you to go out and enjoy the life that she can't, or something like <laughs> that. <laughs> um, over at Monk's, uh, Jerry is asking George about saving the greeting cards, and Jerry says something I totally agree with. He's like, if I had a mantle, that's a different story. We have a mantle at our house, mm-hmm. and that's where we put cards. How long... Okay, I wanted to ask you this. How long do you save cards for? Honestly, it is. it goes by holiday. Uh-huh. So... We, I think we still have some Valentine's Day cards up there, honestly. Because oh, okay. we got, like, Sarah's parents send, you know, stuff for the kids and, and for mm-hmm. us, like, uh, St. Patrick's Day cards, um, you know, and so we'll, those are up there, too. So I would say that's the last, it's a mix of Valentine's and St. Patrick's Day. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like I don't, uh, the, the only cards I really save are, like, my birthday and Christmas cards. Because, I mean, my, mm-hmm. my birthday's five days before Christmas, so I get them all at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, well, I'll save them until we typically just like take the Christmas stuff down whenever that is. Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah. When, whenever there's a new holiday, we just replace the cards. And most of the time the cards go into the trash after that. Uh, so I, I feel like that's acceptable to replace it as you get cards. If you have a mantle, if not, I, I don't know how long you're supposed to save cards if you don't have a mantle. <laughs> I don't know like where we're even going to like put cards in the new house. I haven't mm, figured no that mantle. out yet. No, we don't have a mantle. Mm, we hang them from a um, a banister if we have one. Mm. Uh, like we did that in Erie, we didn't have a mantle there, and so Interesting. we'd sort of hang Christmas cards from the banister. Otherwise, they'd like congregate on this kitchen island that we had. Yeah, and they get knocked down every time you put down a plate. Like the the wind would like <laughs> blow them. They'd just go. It was the worst system, worst possible system. But that's where our other holiday cards went. So Jerry asks George for a Yankee to appear to make it up to Kristen. He's like, if I could get another person, you know, another star to show up. And George, like, loves, he, he reacts like the godfather, 
you know, he like pats Jerry on the cheek or whatever. He's like, he loves not only being owed, but like having this power. Like he he's gonna do he someone needs him for a favor, and that gives George like he loves the upper hand. I feel like it gives him a little upper hand. Like, <laughs> oh, you need something from me because I have the ability to do it. You know, he just loves he loves this feeling. And it's very obvious. <laughs> and uh, what Jerry or George says, like, I'll run it by. Uh, what, what does he say? Like, I'll, I'll run it I'll by, run it a, by a few people or something. Yeah. And uh, Jerry's like, yeah, OK, do your thing where you lie to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Taking a little bit of wind out of out of the wholesale. Um, <laughs> Elaine comes in and she is still she still hasn't asked Noreen about the flirting um, because of all the, you know, because of the mix up. Mm-hmm. And Jerry George is like, whoa, whoa, who was flirting? And Jerry like kind of jogs George's memory. Like, remember that woman in the bookstore? She asked where the humor section was. Oh, and God. George says it wasn't flirting. <laughs> but Elaine is like, her brother had just had a book of uh, political cartoons published. And so they mock him and with like his little, uh, 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 and Jerry like <laughs> definitely breaks in this scene. Did you notice? I, yeah, I did. I and I love that they left it. He's like, all right, like he's genuinely laughing, and you could tell like if I would if I would bet that George was breaking, but his back is to the camera. Elaine is like, you know, trying not to look at Jerry, so she breaks too, and the scene holds together, but just like barely. And I really, I really thought that added something to it. It was like genuine <laughs> laughter, and I, I loved it. Elaine, you know, tells Jerry and George about Mr. Pitt eating a candy bar with a knife and fork and George is like oh well yeah that's the way these society types they don't want to get their hands dirty he understands it's like a high class thing to do supposedly um, Jerry I mean George in the meantime asks the waitress about a charge on the check he's like I think he might have overcharged us what is this and when she points to it she's like oh that's the toast the extra toast and she points evidently with her middle finger and George thinks she was giving him the finger Jerry has kind of a funny you know kicker to the end of this scene saying that's the way these waitress types are uh, <laughs> with delivering derision or something like that uh, have you um, have you ever pointed something out with your middle finger probably it's never my most cho- I've noticed other people doing it too but I've, I it's never my chosen finger ever it, I would say it's something that my dad did all the time growing yeah. up and it's something that I'll find myself doing like once in a while uh, and Grace will always point it out to me. She's like, are you flipping me off right now? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever used it nefariously to, you know, uh, to, to ne- never outside of like a joke, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's right there. Like when you like really pull the other fingers back to make a statement. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you deliver the the when you give someone the finger, you know I I can't think of the times I've done it again outside of a joke. But are you a, a thumb guy or are you the thumb pulled uh, under? I, I'm a thumb guy. You know, I like the thumb. Yeah, I'm, I like adding the thumb. Yeah, I'm a I'm a thumb guy because like otherwise I feel like you don't really get like the motion or, or like the the extension on the finger. You know? Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, exactly. Because as you pull those other fingers in with the thumb. And I, I hope everyone's doing it right now because I'm definitely doing it. Um, you know, yeah, your, your middle finger gets pulled back a little, but when you let that thumb out, all the you get a nice, you, you know, you, n- get, the you nice get a nice extension, yeah, 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 and you get the extension. Absolutely, of the, yeah. it's but, it's just a little more, and it's a little. I like the angles of it as opposed to the roundness of your <laughs> fist with the straightness of yeah, the middle finger. But, but if it's otherwise, but if it's just like thumb tucked in, just the middle finger up, it's uh, I don't know, it feels weird. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 different. <laughs> it feels less mature to me. It, you know, honestly, as long as we're talking about class, it, it feels like using the thumb is a little higher class than you think than so. Using oh wow, okay. I think just because of the look, you know, it's, it's a nice angular design as opposed to the unfinished edges of the circular <laughs> fist. The other way you do it, you know, the unfinished edges of the circular fist. <laughs> yeah. That's my new hardcore song. Oh, God. <laughs> Give it to one of those shitty metal bands from, was it last <laughs> yeah, week or two weeks ago? My God. Uh, I don't, I think it was two weeks ago because I was in, I, I'm judging by which closet I was in. And I remember I was in the other room. So yeah. I think it was two weeks ago. You're right. It was two. Oh, my God. <laughs> or maybe three at this point. I can't, depending on whether you count this episode or not. 
Over at Yankee Stadium, the I'm going to call him the guy at the head of the table because we don't learn yeah. his name in this episode, do we? No, I, I okay. think that's very apt. I think guy at the head of the table is right. <laughs> he's he's a recurring character, but this is the first time we've ever seen him, and I don't know his name, so I will call him. Even if I did know it, I would still call him for your sake, Ted. Is the first per, you know first time you've seen this guy at head of table? Okay, <laughs> um, but he's not in you know George, he's not interested in George's idea of, of a player going to PBS. It's gonna he's like it'd be a waste of their time. Plus, they already do so much for Channel Eleven, and George is like. Like, oh, well, excuse me for trying to bring a little class into the organization. Uh, you know, maybe we're trying to reach another audience that doesn't watch Channel 11. Um, and so as he's saying this, he starts eating a Snickers bar with a fork and knife. And everyone sort of looks at each other very puzzled. The guy at the head of the table goes, what are you doing? And George goes, George delivers a classic George line. I am eating my dessert. How do you eat it? With your hands? Like mockingly, <laughs> like... Even gives him a little scoff, like with your hands, <laughs> like commoner, you know, convincing, really convincing the guy. You know what? Uh, maybe PBS is a good idea. I think George might be onto something here because obviously <laughs> George is in a different class than him. <laughs> How do you eat it with your hands? <laughs> My God. <laughs> Over at the ATM, I don't understand what happened here because. Jerry takes sixty dollars out, sixty dollars from Nana from all the checks. Yeah, and was he, did he was he cashing the checks at the ATM? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Could, I was like, how is that possible? Could you do this in ninety four? I know you can do it now, but I don't think you could have done it in nineteen ninety four. I wouldn't think so. I would think you you could probably deposit at an ATM in ninety four and then wait forty eight hours for the <laughs> money to show up in your account and then go back to the ATM. I, I don't even think you could do that. I think an ATM was literally just for pulling cash out at that point. That's what I would think too. But but I really I really don't remember again in ninety four. I probably had an ATM card, maybe not when I was twelve. <laughs> I was thirteen by though at this point. I think I got one. You know, I had a bank account. I don't know, but but I remember having one, you know, in high school where I could mm-hmm. go and get some some allowance money out or whatever I had in there, you know. Um, not much has changed. It's about the same amount these days, actually. <laughs> Maybe less. <laughs> Maybe less. Um, but yeah, I was confused about that too. I think we just, I think we fast forwarded a little bit, or maybe New York banks, you know, that's the financial capital of the world. Maybe they were ahead of the curve. Maybe. Maybe. But cut to immediately a phone call to Nana from Chemical Bank, which what a weird oh my God. name for a bank. W- what an awful name. Yeah, chemical bank. That's not where I keep my money. That's where I'd keep my chemicals, honestly. <laughs> I wouldn't keep any money there. But a chemicals, yes. Yeah, chemical bank. I really want to look up and see what their situation is, who they've been merged with, because it can't be around anymore. There's no way. There's or no way. Or if it way. was even real in the first place. Do <laughs> you think it's a real bank? Uh, 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 it's a toss-up. Right, I'm, I'm right. I'm not sure. It didn't occur to me until just now that they might have made it up, but we'll we'll have to look that up for next time. You know, it's like a guy from Chemical Bank saying the Nana is overdrawn. And she's like, well, I, we haven't used that account in months. I'll be down first thing in the morning. <laughs> and as she's hanging up, the guy's like, no, we can take care of this over the phone. But it's too late. <laughs> well, b- between between him saying that and Jerry potentially cashing the check at the ATM, this is a very, like, future-friendly episode, you know? Yes. It happens immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe he did cash them at the ATM. and <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and within seconds or minutes, Chemical Bank was able to realize, yeah, I mean, because definitely, you know, computers were around. I mean, they were probably that, like, black and green text on screen, mm-hmm. and that's it. But for sure, they were connected to a network, you mm-hmm. know. So, um, yeah, this this all might have been just very early days of all that. And it, but it holds up rather well. There's nothing nothing funny about it, like a, like a giant, you know, like a giant cell phone would be out of place or something, you know, like a <laughs> Zach Morris phone. It's It's all, it all holds up. And so cut to... Uh, Nana's alarm going off at 5.30 in the morning. Good Lord. She's already dressed and ready to walk out the door <laughs> at 5.30 in the morning, which means who knows when she got up at her age to be able to do that. So well, she says, When does she think that banks open? I know. <laughs> I hope at least it's a weekday and not like a Saturday or something. <laughs> um, over at Monk's, George got Danny Tartable for the fundraiser. And he says, like, yeah, well, he owed me a favor because I helped him with his swing or something like that. <laughs> um, and George wants to test the waitress. And he's like, hey, get the waitress to point to something and see what she does. And when she points to the menu for Jerry, she uses her index finger. And 
Then when George asks a question, she she scratches her face with her middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> and George again thinks the waitress is flipping her off. And I love that the Kramer says, Oh, she knew exactly what she was doing. <laughs> Well, I mean, pointing with your middle finger is one thing. Intentionally yeah. scratching an itch with only your middle finger is entirely different. You think she was giving him the bird? I think she was definitely giving him the bird. <laughs> 100%. See, I don't know. When I, when I just did it with just my middle finger, yeah, I think you're right. You're probably right. Like, because I, this is, I, I, wouldn't, the- I wouldn't think anything about pointing something out with like my middle finger, uh, especially like if it's just like something in a hurry, someone yeah. is... Uh, just trying to like point something out to me, and I'm just like, oh no, it's right, it's right here on the on your bill. But if like I'm not pointing anything out, and I have an itch to scratch, and I'm only scratching it with my middle finger, that's yeah. intentional. <laughs> and the big difference too is one is upside down, and one is definitely right side up. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so when you're pointing like that, like that's upside down to everybody, you know. But when it's you know it, it's right side up now, so yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I, I mean, Kramer's reaction, I cracked up. She knew exactly what she was doing. Na- over at Nana, Nana is lost in an alley in the city. And, you know, she's got an address book open and she's looking very puzzled at this door. And, you know, a, a street tough starts walking up on her. Looking for something, lady. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she's like, oh, my the my bank. Didn't this used to be where the bank was? And the guy's like, the bank, it burned. It's gone. He's like really delivering like Broadway <laughs> quality. Like, he's like, street yeah, it, tough. It, it's like it burned down, lady. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's playing to the back of the audience. Like, uh, all of his emotions are like really coming. I don't know whether it was supposed to be. It wasn't scary. It was like it was about he was about to start it. This city's changing, and I don't like the way you know. Like he was going to start monologuing or something. Uh, almost like he's about to just like start like snapping and like dancing. Just <laughs> yeah, totally. It wasn't very scary, but whatever whatever frightening nature he had is gone. Immediately, he makes a quick turn where he's like, what you want to do is go down to 49th Street, and that's their main customer service branch. Uh, and that gets a good laugh from the audience. I mean, this guy, he did a good job, but it was it was a very interesting choices that he made. Uh, I feel like we got to look and see like who this guy is and see like yeah. if he was on Broadway or something. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll have to look up who played the street tough. Um, over in Jerry's apartment, Leo calls and Nana is missing. I like that he says <laughs> she hasn't left that apartment in 25 years. <laughs> uh, he, he was going to pick her up for a doctor's appointment. The doctor hasn't heard from her. No one's heard from her, so they don't know where she is. And I think at this, so Jerry, where uh, where do where does it come up that she hasn't used that bank since the branch closed? Um, he. I think Jerry is telling Uncle Leo that he cashed some of her birthday checks. Yeah. And and Leo says, "What are you doing? Are you short on money or something? She's on a fixed income." <laughs> yeah. And and he tells I guess this is where he tells him what bank it was from and he says he has she hasn't used that bank since her branch closed. So, it looked like that building had been bombed out for a long time, the one she was at. <laughs> I mean, whenever that fire happened that that guy knew about somehow. So maybe not. She said months earlier, but again, in her I mean, state, who knows when it was? Yeah, she hasn't left the apartment in twenty five years. It could have been <laughs> anywhere from three months ago to twenty four years yeah, and eleven months ago. Totally. And so Kramer, you know, Jerry blames this all on Kramer, saying that like if I, you hadn't convinced me to cash the checks, my nana wouldn't be missing. And again, another great line from Kramer: "Your nana is missing because she's been passing these bum checks all around town. Finally, pissed off the wrong people." <laughs> Like, this has been a concerted thing that she's been, like, hanging paper all around town, like, (laughs) writing bad checks. (laughs) Cut to a restaurant outside. The guy at the head of the table is at the head of his own table by himself, and he always sits at the head at any table. Mm -hmm. And uh, he is eating a candy bar with a knife and fork, and Noreen walks by and sees him doing that and, again, looks at him kind of puzzled, and and they kind of regard each other, and then then she walks on. Uh, Over at Monk's. Noreen is meeting with Elaine about this disaster, about Jerry, and whether she was flirting, and now Dan knows he's obsessed with Jerry Seinfeld, and and uh, just wants to know, you know, won't stop bugging Noreen about how she feels about him and stuff, and, you know, Elaine talks about the mistake that she made and how, you know, anybody could have made it because he's a high talker, and Noreen was somehow clueless that they sound almost exactly alike, <laughs> and she's a bit dismayed at this new information, too, and it's at this point that she... Starts doing two things, eating her cookie with a knife and fork and asking about Jerry. Like, oh, well, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, he's, he's more of a baritone, right? <laughs> Which I would say is inaccurate. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, Jerry doesn't have a deep voice. Yeah, I mean, think of everybody's Jerry Seinfeld impression. It's way up here. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, God, could it, you, does, it did could, go back down. Could you imagine like, if Jerry Seinfeld was actually like a baritone or just had s- such a super <laughs> deep voice? It's like, what's the deal with razor blade slots in airplanes? <laughs> yeah, God, it'd be is, so different. Who is the deepest voiced comedian? Uh, who whoever the guy that played uh. Raymond's brother on Everybody Loves Raymond. Right, right. Brad Garrett, I think his name Brad is. Brad Garrett, yes, yes. Has he done stand-up? Was he a stand-up? I feel like he was. Like I, I feel like he's either a stand-up or he's just a comedic actor. Because I, I would say Patrick Warburton, but Patrick Warburton is not a stand-up. He's just an actor. Right. I don't know why I, I feel like in my mind I see like a clip of Brad Garrett in the 80s doing stand-up. I don't know why I'm picturing that. Maybe just because it, it fits so well, but... We might have to, yeah, I, I can't think of anybody else that, I mean, he's definitely the one of the lowest voice actors working right now. Let um, me, him and, I'm just going to see if I can look it up and see if he has any stand-up clips on YouTube. Brad Garrett stand-up. Oh, here we go. Does it look really old? Uh, he's got crowd work from two, from two years ago. Oh, okay. He's got some well, old. So he's got some old stuff from Dick Clark's nighttime show. Here we go. There we go. Oh, that's what I was go. looking for. Well, that make uh, that makes sense. I mean, I don't know why I had that in my mind. I was like, I feel like I've seen him doing stand up way back in the day. The biggest talents in all of the entertainment show business world, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Brad Garrett. <laughs> this, is, this is perfect, Dick. Thank you. That's perfect. We're gonna get this up a little higher here. You feeling good? Doing good. Pleasure to be here. As you can see, I guess we should talk about size. I am a little bit taller than your average dental plaza. I'm uh, six feet nine inches tall. I never played sports in my life. And that's a lot of pressure on a white guy. Because when you're six nine and you're not athletic and you live in America, people get upset. You know, I mean, black people walk up to you on the street. You don't even know them. They get in your face and they go, hey, man, if I had your five, I could have been somebody. Oh, good oh, Lord. Dear. Oh, no. Oh, dear. oh no. <laughs> what is that titled? Oh, no. I'm sorry to get up on this tangent, but now we're here. Uh, Brad Garrett's stand-up hyphen Dick Clark's nighttime show. What do the comments say? Please tell me comments are turned on. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know how to look at comments on mobile. Oh, um, I think they're like towards the bottom, like way oh, underneath everything. There we go. Everything. There we go. Uh, he sounds like Vince Vaughn a bit. Uh, his voice sounds weird. It's ten times darker in Everybody Loves Raymond. Yes, I I totally agree with that. It wasn't it high. Yeah, it's very it high, high here. Yeah. Uh, Raymond. <laughs> uh, there's one person just comments six foot nine. Uh, one person he he looks a lot like one of the Bradys uh, in this. He, he definitely has uh, curly hair. But one oh, person wow. says, LOL, is that Greg Brady or Brad? <laughs> wow, so no one talking about the content. Okay, I was nope. just wondering if anybody was like nope. <laughs> cringing in 2020 watching this. <laughs> so even when Brad Garrett was doing stand-up, he didn't have that deep voice. So, I mean, I, I will say that, you know, the more dynamic your voice, the better storyteller you are, you know, when it, when it has highs and lows and things like that. So maybe there are no very, very deep-voiced comedians like that. <laughs> Maybe it's just not something that... But so I, I would say that calling Jerry a baritone is inaccurate uh, at best. Um, and George... Oh, yeah, well, Elaine sort of like calls Noreen out about eating the cookie with her fork. She's like, I've seen people do it. She just saw one person do it on her way there. So I thought that was a funny thing to say. I've seen people do it. And she's like, I like it. That, you know, I like doing it this way. And so she, George She's literally is, never yeah. done it before. She's like, I like doing it this way. <laughs> exactly. Acting like it's totally normal. <laughs> Cut to George driving Danny Tartable to PBS, and George gets cut off by a driver who gives him the middle finger. And George is very upset, and he starts... I like that he's like, yeah, he, he, he gave the finger to me, to us, uh, to try to like get Danny just as upset as he is, but Danny is not upset. But George starts following the guy anyway. Cut to Chemical Bank, and the guy talking about that all the checks were made to a Jerry Seinfeld, and Nana says, oh, that's my grandson. Can I call him and explain in the back to Jerry's apartment? Elaine is talking about the whole Dave Noreen situation still when Nana calls, only she sounds exactly like Dave, I guess, because when Elaine picks up, she starts laying it to Dave. Oh, you know what? Oh, Dan, Jerry, not Dave. 
Dan, yeah, sorry. Dan, uh, Jerry's not here. He doesn't want to talk to you. Nobody wants to talk to you. Drop dead. <laughs> but, like, okay, Elaine just had lunch with Noreen. Right. How, how does she mistake Nana's voice, or how does she mistake Noreen's voice for Nana? They, they don't sound anything alike. She thought it was Dan. No, she thought it was uh she thought it was Noreen. No, she definitely thought it was Dan. Did she? Yeah. Okay, I thought she thought it was Noreen. No, she wouldn't she wouldn't tell Noreen to drop dead. She just saw her like you said and they're still very friendly. It's Dan who's been like harassing Elaine and now Jerry, you know, that's why she was like Jerry doesn't want to talk to you. Okay. Nobody wants to talk to you. Okay, yeah. but like she's the one who got uh she's the one who got confused in the first place of Dan's voice. So she, wouldn't she like remember what it sounded like? Yeah, but you know, <laughs> she knows it's one of two she thinks it's one of two people, Dan or Noreen, and she just saw Noreen. So why would Noreen be calling Jerry's place right now? It's definitely Dan. <laughs> you know. Okay, sure. I'll, I'll roll with it. <laughs> it can't be Noreen, and she doesn't know who Nana is, so she just assumes this voice that sounds like Dan is uh, Dan. Um, and Kramer comes in and asks about Nana and how she's missing, and Elaine starts putting two and two together that she may have told Nana to drop dead. You told Nana to drop dead? <laughs> you hung up on Nana. <laughs> that, that fa- she's like, I may have. I may have. <laughs> that famous baritone voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kramer says something here that I wanted to ask you if you knew like what it meant because I had no idea. Uh, Kramer says, "Let's get down to PBS PDQ." <laughs> yeah, uh, like depending on how dirty you want to be, Ted, it's pretty damn quick or pretty darn quick. You can oh, also okay. I, I didn't no notice idea. that though. I didn't. I had no idea what that meant. Yeah, PDQ. Yeah, it's it's a very it's a very old person saying. <laughs> I would say even Kramer's too young to be using it. <laughs> but uh, but I like I understand what he was doing. PBS PDQ. It's a yeah. fun little play on play on words there. Uh, pretty damn quick. Uh, so cut to George still following the guy that flipped them off, and Danny Tartable starts eating a donut, the last donut in the box, and he starts eating it with a knife and fork. And it's just like a regular glazed donut that he's eating with a knife and fork. Honestly, of all the things people have been eating with knives and forks, knives and forks this episode, the donut is the most attractive to me because I hate how sticky I feel after a glazed donut. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I mean, definitely a candy bar I could see because uh, yeah. you would uh, not get the melted chocolate on your fingers. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Noreen eating a cookie? Yeah, that's weird. The, the cookie doesn't get you dirty at all. No. You get some crumbs, you wipe them on your shirt or pants, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you brush yeah. them off. You're done. Yeah. Uh, over at PBS, Kramer is upset because he doesn't have his tote bag yet. He was promised tote bags and totes he will have. <laughs> Leo comes in, and he wants to know that Nana is fine. They found her, and she's going to be watching tonight. And then Leo tries to give Jerry money because he thought he was so hard <laughs> up that he was cashing, you know, cashing Nana's checks for $60. Um, there's a knock on the door and Jerry thinks it is Noreen, but he only the only describes it as, oh, it's that friend of Elaine's that was hitting on me. And Kramer's <laughs> like, oh, I'll go take care of this. And he walks outside and he's visibly startled by the fact that it's not a woman, which he would expect. It's Day, a Dan. And so Kramer is out there, and Dan is also speaking very ambiguously, like, you know, I, he's all I think about, you know, I can't stop thinking about Jerry, and Kramer is like, oh, well, you know, I uh, believe me, I get it, Jerry's a very sexy man, <laughs> and Dan gets very confused, but I like that Kramer immediately starts, he immediately takes a job as a PBS spokesperson saying, we here at PBS have... <laughs> He's like volunteering for them. We here at PBS have many programs celebrating your lifestyle. And he rattles off like a ton, which leads me to believe that Kramer watches a ton of PBS. Maybe he does. Maybe he does. I mean, he he rattled off like five or six, you know, LGBT, whatever, you know, whatever they were, whatever phrase they were. He does use the word lifestyle, which I realize is problematic. Uh, but but he did it as an ally. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if we need to correct him on that, but. You know, he he rattles off like a bunch of specials that PBS had about that <laughs> at the gas station. Which, by the way, did you see gas is a dollar fifteen? No. Oh my god. Yeah, I know. And so that's New York City. Like, Ooh. imagine what it was everywhere else in 1994. Like um, eighty six cents. Yeah, probably. George walks up to the guy to confront him. You cut us off in traffic about what are you saying? Was it an hour ago? Just yeah, outside an, of Manhattan. An hour ago, outside of Manhattan, they could be literally <laughs> anywhere by now. They could be into <laughs> Pennsylvania. Yeah, and the guy's like, "I did. Oh my gosh, I'm so." He's like, is that Danny Tartable? <laughs> Man, 
I'd like to shake his hand, but I have a broken finger. And he holds up. And I like that it's like right in George's face, too. He holds up his fist, and sure enough, his middle finger is extended via a splint in his wrapped up hand. Oh, my God. Yeah. So totally inadvertently gave George the finger. At PBS, the pledge drive's going on. Jerry is reading his pre-prepared script, and Danny Tartable has not arrived because George took him on this crazy adventure. And so he's like, and I like when he's like, and if Danny Tartable would hear, I, I imagine he'd say, that's right, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Nana sees Jerry on TV, calls PBS, gets Kramer, who's answering phones in the background. And Kramer convinces her, you know, she's like, tell Jerry I'll get him more birthday checks as soon as I can. And Kramer's like, well, as, as long as you got your checkbook out, maybe you should uh, give some to PBS. <laughs> and, it, and then he stands up and announces that Jerry's Nana is donating $1,500, writing a check for $1,500. And Leo barges in from the, uh, you know, from off camera yelling, she can't do that. She's on a fixed income. Stop the show. <laughs> and run runs toward the camera. Yeah. Runs toward the camera, waving his arms to stop the show. Jesus. And that's the end of the episode. Instead of another stand-up bit, we get uh, kind of a little falling action here at Monk's over the closing credits. And Jerry got another card from Kristen. It's a, a little bit different tone than the first card. Elaine looks at it and she says, is that little bunny giving you the finger? He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they look around and they notice that everybody in Monks is eating candy bars with forks and knives, which really upsets <laughs> Elaine. And she wants to know what's wrong with you people. And that's it. Uh, Jerry even says like he saw some woman outside eating M&Ms with a spoon. <laughs> eating M&Ms with a spoon is good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The, that and the cookie are ones that I I don't think I could buy into because M&M's you rip the package open you dump the package into your mouth you don't have to hold them in your hand interesting you know I'm a I'm a hand to mouth guy <laughs> yeah see I, I mean I, I'm not like eating the entire package in one bite but I'll just like <laughs> dump like three or four in my mouth yeah, I don't. I, I don't have that control over the bag, so I like to. <laughs> but they, you know, they say they melt in your mouth, not in your hand. But the candy coating shell does leave color on your hand. It if does. You, if you hold them there for too long. <laughs> yeah, or if if your hand was already warm or whatever that. So they do kind of melt in your hand. I hate to call you on that, Hershey, but it's true. Is but, is M M&M and M Hershey? I want to. Yeah, I want to say yes because when I went to Hershey Park, I want to say I saw a lot of M M&M and M imagery, but I could be wrong about that. I thought it was Mars. Ah, you might be right. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. Now now, now, I'm second-guessing myself. Yeah, I feel like I saw M&M's at Hershey Park, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's one of those that, that has an agreement, because I know, like, where you go in the world, the candy is made by a different company. You know what I mean? Like, Mars has this candy bar in some countries, and Nestle has it in others. It's, it's oh, really weird yeah. when you get to, you know, world regions of candy making and distribution. It, it, it makes no sense. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. We we could look, we could look that up if you want to. Eh, if you, if you <laughs> want to, we can. I kind of wonder now. I wonder if because you mentioned product placement at the beginning, whether Snickers, Almond Joy, and M and M's are all made by the same company or not. Because it's interesting that that those brand names are specifically mentioned. Are, are there any other candy bars that are? I don't think so. I think that's it. Just Snickers, Almond Joy, and then he mentions M and M's. So I wonder if those are all the same company or not. Maybe that's what we'll look up. All right, we'll look it up. To really tie it in. <laughs> all right. Uh, so what all is our homework then? We'll look up the Snickers, M&M, and Almond Joy uh, if they're mm. all made by the same people. I uh, want to look up like who the street tough in the leather jacket was. Yeah. Because cause I agree with you. He's giving a Broadway-level <laughs> performance. Um, yeah, he's chewing the scenery, and it was great. <laughs> I, I think that's it. Was it only those two things? I think so. Oh, Chemical Bank. Oh, Chemical, Chemical Bank. Bank. Okay. Yeah. What in the world, if anything, is Chemical Bank? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, did we want to come up with a better description? We can try. So we had Jerry accepts an invitation to help with a PBS pledge drive. I mean, he does, but is that what the episode's about? I guess it all does stem from that. Hmm. I mean, it all, yeah, it all, I, I mean, I, I guess I like that now that I'm thinking of it, because I feel like it was more about the birthday checks, but we discovered the birthday checks because of the card that he got in the mail thanking him for being in the pledge drive, then throwing it out, and then discovering the birthday checks in the middle. So I honestly, it's not what the episodes end up ends up being about, but I don't I, dislike it. Yeah, I, I kind of, I actively like it, I think, because yeah. it uh, it almost throws you off your tracks. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's, it's not about the pledge drive at all, but it is and it isn't. So I, I, I like it. Yeah. 
All right, so next week we've got season six, episode four. Oh, I'm sure this one's <laughs> going to hold up well. Uh, titled The Chinese Woman, original air date October 13th, 1994. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see George's crossed phone lines acquaint the gang with a woman who isn't what she seems. Ooh, I like that. I remember mm. this episode now. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, it, yeah, I, I like this. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if it's pl- problematic because sometimes we. We see an episode title and we're like, oh boy. And then we're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. You know, <laughs> it's like the beginning of a, of a, it's like the setup to a Jerry Seinfeld joke. Like, uh oh, look out. And they're like, oh, whoo. Okay. <laughs> so maybe we're projecting. Maybe we're projecting. By the way, I, um, I wanted to mention, I really, really enjoyed the pledge drive. This wasn't on my radar as yeah. one of my favorite episodes, but I started at the end. I got a lot of great laughs out of it. It's action packed. I like the farce element of it i find that that's kind of you know there's lots of misunderstandings and and people thinking they're talking to somebody it's very old school but Mm -hmm. i mean i i love and i feel like all the seinfeld episodes that end up kind of being farcical like this i I always end up starring i just like that kind of humor in it and it it really worked all the way through and and i got a lot of the best laughs of the season so far i would say yeah i i definitely thought this was a very strong episode yeah so we'll see if it holds up through the end we're so early that but i've started so it might wind up in my chronological rundown of my favorite episodes, <laughs> which is what I'm calling the top eight now or whatever we usually do. But maybe maybe I'll get my act together by the end of the season and actually order them in the order that I like them. Okay. So is that it? That's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Haldewell. Be good. Be good.